Well, I am so excited today. Uh, we have a guest speaker who is sharing this morning. I met Brent. Actually, the first time I met Brent, I, I, he didn't even know that I saw him at a Burnsville football game because somebody pointed out this crazy guy who was running around and he had like this, all this yellow stuff and paint and everything because he was like super Burnsville guy at the time. And, uh, and, and I, somebody said, man, that guy's dynamic. And I'm like, awesome. That's great. I never met him before. First time I met him, I'm like, yeah, this guy's dynamic. Uh, we got to serve together on staff at a former church for many, many years. He had the privilege of watching him grow as a leader, as a pastor, as a friend. And uh, more recently, uh, you're going to hear about in a little bit, he, he launched something called 30 for Freedom, which is a powerful ministry uh, helping those in uh, human trafficking. Uh, but he also took a step of faith several years ago. He and his wife, Eliza, and they uh, took a step of faith and are the Chi Alpha directors for the University of St. Thomas, and we support them on a monthly basis as they are, there's a number of our students, even within our congregation, who are a part of that, and we're just so grateful for the ministry they're doing there as they're leading uh, students to Christ right there on that campus. And so if you would give it up for our speaker this morning, the Brent Silkey. Thank you, Pastor. Uh, before I start this morning, uh, I just wanted to take a moment and say thank you to our pastors. Um, a lot of you know them from Sunday mornings, you know them from the stage, uh, but have, having known them for the almost, man, almost 20 years, how can that be? We are getting up there. Um, but I just, here's the thing that I just want you to share with our church. We get to follow the lead of people who are on their knees hearing from God. And I'm so thankful, Pastor Greg, for you and Amber, for your family. And I think of uh, on some of our hardest days, you've been there for us. And I just want to say thank you. Let's honor Pastor Greg this morning. So beautiful. I also want to say thank you to our church. One of the things that Pastor Greg says a lot, and I really, it really resonates with my heart. He says a church isn't just a building. The church is the people of God in action. And this last month in, in January, um, after 14 years of struggling through cancer and diabetes and just a whole bunch of medical issues, uh, my dad passed away, and uh, it's been really, really a challenging thing for our family. And one of the most beautiful things that our kids have seen that we have seen is we've seen the church in action. We've seen people from our congregation, staff, friends, people that we haven't hardly met, very, you know, known very long, brought groceries over, sent cards, and just it was, the, it was on display for our kids to see that this is what the church is. It's not the building we go to. It's the people of God in action. And so on behalf of our family, I want to say thank you, Zoe. Thank you for being the kind of people that extend the love of Christ beyond the walls of the church and even take care of the hurting within the church. And the final thing I want to say thank you for is uh, for being a part of what God is doing on campus. Because we have the opportunity to serve as missionaries to the next generation, to help college students find Jesus, and then learn what does it mean to follow him for a lifetime. And Zoe, you're a part of that. There are many families and individuals who are part of our, our mission there at St. Thomas. And we just want to say thank you for being a part of that. I want to show you a picture of my family today. We go to second service. My wife will actually be serving in Z Kids. But my wife, Aliza, she's my best friend. This June, we'll celebrate 15 years being married. And we have four beautiful kids, Belle, Clara, Hank the Tank, and Josiah. And uh, if you see a little uh, half Korean kid running through the, the lobby, that's Hank. Just say, hey, Hank. Go find your mom and dad, okay, buddy? Just tell them that. That'd be great. <laughs> and like I, like I said, we have the joy of serving our students at the University of St. Thomas. And uh, I'll talk a little bit more about Chi Alpha in a bit. But if you're not familiar with Chi Alpha, imagine the movement of God on campus. If you think of a secular campus or a private campus, 
and having an extension arm of the church where there's worship services, where there's outreaches, where there's discipleship groups, where, where college students can have an opportunity every single week to hear the word of God preached and then an opportunity to respond to Jesus. And then what does it mean to really follow him? And we, we have these discipleship groups. You might recognize Mike and Mac. He came and spoke for us a couple of weeks ago. And we have that, that joy of serving our students. I was at a camp in a worship time. And if you imagine, if you've ever been to Lake Geneva or Spencer Lake or any of our great camps in the assemblies, um, I think about this. There was a moment that happened that, like, marked my life. And it was at a camp, and it was during worship. And I, I think there were about 500 or 600 students who were in there, middle school and high school. They were up at front. They were jumping. They were praising God. They were worshiping. It was one of those powerful moments where if you walked into the room, you could viscerally experience the presence of Jesus. And I remember I was in the very back, and I often pace and pray in the back and worship in the back. And I remember seeing a young lady who was actually sitting down on one of the, one of the pews in this chapel. And I, I noticed that she looked distressed. And so I, I went up to her and I just, you know, it's really loud. People are worshiping. It's really powerful presence. But I, I went up to her and I said, hey, is everything okay? And she kind of shook her head. But she didn't say anything. And I said, and I could tell that she was like in distress, having a hard time breathing. I said, hey, do you, do you happen to have asthma? And she nodded her head. And I was like, okay. Do you have an inhaler? She, she nodded. I'm like, is it with you? And she, she's like, no. She couldn't, she wasn't talking, but she, 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 she motioned that she couldn't, she didn't have it with her. So I got, grabbed one of our other counselors, and I said, we have to go and find her, her, her cabin. We have to find where, like, her bag is, and we have to find her inhaler. So we ran across the campgrounds. Again, we're in a room full of hundreds of students worshiping, praising God, the next generation, lifting their hands to, to Jesus. And there's a girl in the back of that very same room who's struggling to breathe. And I remember running to her room. We knocked on the door, but everyone was already in the worship service. So we opened the door, and we looked in. And if you can imagine, there were like 10 bunk beds. There were about 4.5 million bags and purses everywhere, right? And we, were, we had to look for a certain color bag with an inhaler. And it was like, it was truly a needle in a haystack. We're praying, God, help us to have favor trying to find this inhaler. And I remember somehow my other youth leader guy, he found the inhaler. He, he's like, I got it, I got it. And he ran it over to me. And I used to be in track, so at Burnsville High School. Um, and he, it was like a four by 100 meter thing. He was like, and he hand, I'm like, stick. And I, I remember I ran into the chapel and I found this girl and she's sitting there. Now the camp nurse is there. We, there's friends around her and she's still struggling to breathe. And I, I, I ran up to her and I just handed her her inhaler. And I'll never forget the sound. And her like breath trembled. She could breathe. And there was a moment of a sense of urgency. There was a moment of that feeling of like something must be done. We have to move from where we were in this comfortable, beautiful worship setting. We have to move from comfortable to less comfortable so that this girl can get what she needs to breathe. There was an urgency to it. And I think about whenever I come to a worship setting like even this morning, these powerful times of worship, I just want, I want you to know, especially for those who are new, you might come into a worship setting like this and it's powerful and it's amazing. You're like, man, God, you're so good. But I know that there are probably those of us who are struggling in the midst. And I want you to know that you're not just coming to a building, but you're a part of the church. You're a part of something beautiful. You're a part of Zoe life, life to the full. And if you're struggling today, my encouragement to you would be to, to confide in someone who's here. We want to be with you. We want to be with you along the journey. And I think of another time in a worship setting. as at North Central University. Yeah, let's go. And uh, I don't know about you, but sometimes you come into a setting like this, and if you go every week or every day, like we had chapel every single Monday through Friday, sometimes you cannot be, you're not necessarily ready for what God's about to do. And that was, that was surely the case for me this day. 
It was 2006. I'm sitting in the upper balcony at North Central. And a speaker came on the stage. And he began to share story after story after story of these young girls in the country where he was serving as a missionary in India who were being bought and sold as property, who were being sold time and time and time again every single day, 15 to 20 times a day to people who were doing unthinkable things. And I remember sitting up in the balcony of that chapel service, and, I, and like, church, something broke. Something happened in my heart. I was like, it was like that sense of urgency, it was like the inhaler moment. Like, I'm like, has, something has to be done. Something must be done. Like, there, there has to be something more we can do. Like, I knew I could give an offering that day. I knew I could pray for the victims of human trafficking. I knew I could, could pray for the survivors. But I, I felt like God was doing something greater in my life where he's like, Brent, I'm calling you to do something more. Something must be done. And I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like that where you hear something, you see a commercial, you watch a video, and God just begins to, like, grip your heart and say, he's tapping you on the shoulder and saying, hey, I'm calling you to do something more. I'm calling you to do something greater because there is an urgent need. But the message we're going to look at today in the scripture, there was an urgent need. The message we're, we're going to be looking at today throughout the, the time that we have together is about an urgent need in our world. And if you have your Bibles or your Bible apps if you're on a Bible streak, maybe in your Bible app, you can go to Mark chapter 2. And I want to just give you a little bit of context. Imagine there is somebody who is walking the earth that everywhere they go, people are being healed. People are being set free. People are being, who have never ever had the ability to see are being, being given the ability to see. People who have never walked before are being able, are given strength in their legs and they're able to walk and they're able to do things they've never done before. People who have been bound by evil spirits are being set free by this man who's walking the earth and he's proclaiming the kingdom of God but then he's demonstrating the power thereof. That Jesus was walking the earth. There's amazing things were taking place. And I love this, what we have here. And I'm going to have us stand. If you guys would stand with me all across this room. We're going to read just a couple of verses together from Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 2. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left. Not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. And since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the man on the mat he was lying on. Jesus, today, we pray that you would allow us to be a, the kind of church that would continue to be a church on the move, that would continue to extend the love of Jesus, the places that we go, Lord, the places you call us. And I pray, Holy Spirit, you'd give us ears to hear what you're saying today. I pray whatever it is you call us to do, God, as we leave the service in just a few moments, I pray that there would be something that would happen, there would be a sense of urgency, God, in us. I pray that there would be something that would break, Lord, in us, and that we would go and do what you've called us to do, whatever that means, whatever that looks like, and I thank you for what you have in store today, in Jesus' name, amen. You guys can be seated. So I want to explain this text that we just read. Jesus is in Capernaum. He's come to this place and like I said, everyone wanted to see Jesus. If you were sick, you wanted to be by Jesus so you could be healed. If you knew someone who was sick, you wanted to bring them to Jesus so they could be healed. And maybe you were just curious about what is this working of God that's happening in the ministry of Jesus. And so you wanted to hear, you heard these rumors, you heard about people who were healed, you heard people who claimed that they were healed, but you're like, ah, I'm not really sure if I believe that. So this house is packed full of people. It's the Middle East. I think of how hot it would have been. 
to be packed inside of a house where it's standing room only, shoulder to shoulder. But then what Mark tells us is that it was even crowded outside the house, outside the door where Jesus was teaching. Because everyone wanted to see, everyone wanted to hear. There were skeptics, there were religious people, there were broken people, there were people that just needed a touch of heaven. <laughs> and then there were these four men. And they came carrying their friend. And if there's parents in the room, you understand uh, if you've ever been to like a Valley Fair, Six Flags, Disney World, Disneyland, you, you have to carry a human body. You, you know what I'm saying? You know what it's like to carry like a little child like from here all the way over there. But they're not just carrying a child. They're carrying a man. They're carrying a grown man who was unable to walk. He was paralyzed. And they're carrying him on a mat, and they're carrying him all the way to this house. And by the time that they get to the house, they can see that the house is packed, around the house is packed. And how in the world are we going to get our friend there? And I don't know if you have friends like this in your life. I hope that you do. Friends that don't give up when it's hard. They saw that there was a lot of people, and they're like, hey, we got to get our friend to Jesus, so we got to do what we got to do. They push their way through the crowd outside the house. They get their friend on the roof. And now if you're an Olympic lifter, right, you had to clean and jerk and get him up on the roof He's up on the roof, and then they're like, we have to get him in front of Jesus. Hey, can you stick your head down and see where, where is Jesus? Okay, approximately here. And they start digging a hole through the tiles in the roof. And, I, and I've, I've taught and, and preached in different places, but I've never had it where someone starts digging through the ceiling from the outside and tries to right, interrupt. But I, can, you, can you imagine? Jesus is there. He's demonstrating the, the kingdom of God. He's proclaiming the kingdom of God. It says in the word that they, he taught as someone who had authority. And here's Jesus, this packed house, packed outside the house. <laughs> and digging starts happening. We're like, right? If you're Jesus, like, did he stop? Did he stop teaching? And was like, huh? But all of a sudden, there's a hole in the roof. And if it was sunny, there's surely beams of light coming down right through there. And all of a sudden, it's like more scraping. And I'm sure it was silent at this point. People were just like, what in the world? And then there's a human eclipse. As a body on a mat is lowered down. Right in front of Jesus. And Jesus looks at the man, looks up at the friends. And I think it's, I just want to pause before I go on. Some of you know the story. Sometimes I put myself in the text. It's like, how would I be feeling? Here I am, I'm, I'm paralyzed for, we don't know if he was born paralyzed or if something happened that caused him to become paralyzed. He has friends that are good enough friends that would bring him all the way to see Jesus of Nazareth. They can't get there. They're like, we're not giving up, pal. We're going to get you on the roof. Get me on the roof. They get him on the roof. They dig a hole and they lower you. And you're, you're being lowered down in front of all the Pharisees and all the people. And you're like, right? Every, all eyes are on you. And then he's laying there on the floor before Jesus. And Jesus looks at him, looks at the friends, and he looks at the man again. And he says, your sins are forgiven. Now, real talk, church. If I'm the man laying on the mat who's paralyzed, I'm really thankful my sins are forgiven, but I actually did not come for that. <laughs> I'm not trying to be, I'm for real. Like, I'm like, Jesus is great. I actually came that you would do something different than what you just did. And Jesus, here's the crazy thing about Jesus. He can look around and he knows what's happening. He knows what they're saying in their, in their minds. It's a little scary. Fully God, fully man. He's like, well, yeah, they're, you know, a lot of you are wondering, why would I do that? Like what he said, when Jesus said your sins are forgiven, that was scandalous. Jesus was putting himself on the same level as God. And the Pharisees who didn't believe that he was from God are like, oh, no, he did not just say that. He cannot say that. And Jesus said, what is easier, 
for me to say, your sins are forgiven, or take up your mat and walk out of here. But so you know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. I say to you, get up, take your mat, and walk on out of here. And at that moment, this paralyzed man, laying in front of a crowd, house packed full of people, surrounded by more people outside, stands up for the first time, rolls up his mat, walks out of the house. It says, in full view of them all. And it says, they all were in awe of God. And church, I think about that miracle. He didn't just walk out healed, he walked out whole that day. And church, here's the thing. His, these, these four friends, these are the kind of friends you want in your life. This is the kind of church in action you want in your life. A church that says we're going to move from a position of comfortable to less comfortable. Do you guys, anyone, anyone wear Crocs? Are there Croc people in the house? Come on, you students, come on, right? I saw Crocs this week on Amazon that had a little snowplow shovel thing in the front. I was like, I need to get me some of those, you know. But, like, I think of Crocs and how comfortable they are. And I know it's, it's really controversial. I'm sorry, Pastor Greg, for bringing up Crocs. But Crocs, I love my Crocs. I got indoor Crocs. I got outdoor Crocs. But I think about this. When you have your Crocs, they're comfortable, right? And if I'm going to do something hard, if I'm going to do something that requires, like, hard work, I'm switching into something different. I have, if I want to move from a place of comfortable to less comfortable, like these four friends, that I have to change something. I have to move. I have to do something different. And I think about this idea of what, when God calls us as the church, he doesn't call us to live a comfortable, cushy life. He calls us to move from a place of comfortable to less comfortable so that people can be free, so that people can know the love and the freedom of Jesus, so that people like this man lowered down in front of this crowded house full of people could experience a miracle of healing and salvation that day. And that's who God's called us to be. And I don't know how you respond when God calls you to do something uncomfortable. I remember uh, we just had our second baby. My wife, I should say my wife had our second baby. And we had, so we had two girls, a three-year-old, a newborn. And we had just purchased our very first home. We were so excited. We're like, oh, we have some more space. This is awesome. We loved our apartment, but to have a family of four, it was such a nice blessing to be able to have a home. And then I remember very distinctly in 2015, it was March, God tapped us on the shoulder, and he called us to move from comfortable to much less comfortable. And he said, hey, I want you to become missionaries. I was like, missionaries? But Lord, we have this mortgage. We just got this mortgage because we just bought this house. We just, we have two little girls to take care of and to feed. And it was, God made it very clear. He said, no, 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 I'm calling you to go to the University of St. Thomas, to go to the city of St. Paul, to share the love of Christ, to share the gospel with students. And I remember I said, God, I need one more final sign that you're in this. And I was in a time of prayer at a, actually, at a prayer meeting. It makes sense, right? <laughs> like, that's a good thing to do there, Brent, pray at your prayer meeting. And I was, it was a vision God gave me a vision standing on the campus at the University of St. Thomas with my Bible open in my hand and students around me. And I was like, oh, my word, we're doing this thing. And I, God replaced the fear with joy. And I remember <laughs> talking to my wife. I'm like, I really believe God's calling us to do this. She's like, all right, let's do it. So in 2015, we became missionaries to the next generation. We've been serving college students for the last eight years, and it's been such a joy to see. But the crazy thing about when God calls you to move from comfortable to less comfortable is that sometimes he doesn't just do it like, one, like a one-time thing and you're good for the rest of your life. 
in that first year of becoming missionaries, when we're raising our budget, when we're raising a team of people to come with us to campus and to share the love of Christ with college students, God put this other crazy thing on our heart. He said, hey, I want you to raise $30,000 for a completely separate ministry. And I was like, Lord, come again? Uh, what? what? So I'm out, to, I'm out to eat with one of our youth ministry grads. He was serving in the United States Marine Corps. You may have heard of his grandpa. He just became a baseball MLB Hall of Famer, Tony Oliva. His grandson, Yoel. And Yoel was home. It was December 28, 2015. Again, we're in our first year of Kyle, as Kyle for missionaries. And we go out to Perkins, and he's like, hey, Brent, what's new? And I said, hey, God has put this dream on my heart. I said, I heard about this cha in the chapel when I was in college at North Central about human trafficking, that every 30 seconds someone becomes a victim of human trafficking. And I said, it wrecked me to learn that the average age of a human trafficking victim, of a sex trafficking victim, is 13 years old. I said, it wrecks me that the average age of a little boy who's trafficked is between 9 and 12. And I said, God has put something in my heart, an urgency to move from comfortable to less comfortable. And on my 30th birthday, I'm going to run 30 miles. I'm going to invite 30 friends to run with me so we can raise $30,000 to rescue people out of sex trafficking because every 30 seconds, someone becomes a victim. 30th birthday, 30, 30 miles, 30 friends, 30,000 because every 30 seconds. And he reached in his pocket, and he handed me this $100 bill. And he said words I'll never forget. He said, I hear briefings in the military about trafficking all over the world. He said, it's everywhere, and we have to do something to end it. And he slides the $100 bill across the table. So what Yoel did was he gave the first donation to something that we didn't know God was starting. And on my 30th birthday, with the help of great people like Micah Mack, Josiah Keneally, we had 123 people that came to the first ever event called 30 for Freedom. We had 48 people that were crazy enough to run 30 miles. We had 75. And the cool thing about the 75 is it was like from the youngest kid to like great-grandparents, like the whole span of ages of the church that said, we're going to make our miles matter. We're going to move from comfortable to less comfortable so people can be free. And that day was one of the craziest days of our life because we started totaling the, the, uh, tallying up the money that came in. And it wasn't 30000 that came in. It wasn't 40000 or 50000 or 60000 But what God did that day was a miracle. It was $81,346 that came in so people could be free. It was, it was unreal. And the thing that was puzzling to me, Pastor Greg, was when people started, my phone blew up the next week. Like, hey, man, we can't, we can't wait for next year. We can't wait to bring our youth group next year. And I'm like, to what? We can't wait to bring our cross-country team. I'm like, oh, running. Oh, you want to, oh. So the next year, we had 400 people that showed up. 400 people that said, hey, we want to move from comfortable to less comfortable. There was a sense of urgency. There was something happening in the hearts of people that they, they say, we can't just hear about these things and know about human trafficking. We can't just know that it happens literally in our backyard. We have to do something about it. It was like that a camp inhaler moment, that sense of urgency saying, we have to move from comfortable, from our Crocs to our running shoes, right? And the thing that's amazing and a miracle, and I just give glory to God for this, is that over the last seven years, we have seen thousands of people across the United States who have heard about the issue of human, human trafficking and sex trafficking who said, I have to move. I have to do something. And over the last seven years, as they have run and made their miles matter by raising funds, we've seen over $1.56 million raised so that people can be free in Jesus' name. It's been this crazy God thing that's happening. And the thing that I love to report when I share about the story 
is that it's a God thing when God moves in our hearts as the church and we are willing to move from comfortable to less comfortable so people can be free. He does immeasurably more than we could ask for or imagine. And what we've seen over the last seven years is we've seen people, and I've, students at camp, kids, my kids do like a lemonade stand every spring, and they want to raise awareness in our neighborhood about what's happening with human trafficking. And it's just this crazy thing of all generations coming together and, and just saying, hey, we have to do something about this. And as we have an opportunity this morning, um, I just wanted to share with you this 1.56 million. You're like, Brian, are you, are you, did you move from Chi Alpha to 30 for Freedom? I'm full, a full-time Chi Alpha missionary and director. I also full-time do 30 for Freedom, but I do it as a volunteer. Here's why. Every person who's a part of our 30 for Freedom board, our team, every photographer, videographer, everyone who does the website, everyone who does anything with 30 for Freedom, the heart and the spirit of it is, hey, if we volunteer our services, we can give literally every single dollar that comes in as a donation directly to the cause. And people are like, well, what do you do with the funds? That's a lot of money. What do you do with that money? I want to show you this slide. Our vision slide is to end sex trafficking in our lifetime. And we give to, ooh, that's, a, that's another fun one. We'll talk about that in a second. Our strategy is threefold. We support carefully selected organizations like Venture, Free International, uh, Project Rescue, that do sex trafficking prevention. The best case scenario is that we can protect a kid from being trafficked, before, and, and so it never happens. So they never have to endure the trauma and the horror of trafficking. Secondly, rescue operations. I'll share at, at the close of this message two stories of rescue, that what happens when we can help fund rescue operations. And the final thing is holistic survivor care. Because after you're physically rescued, there's a whole lot more that needs to take place in the life of a survivor. And we give 100% of every donation directly to our partners on the front lines. And when we have people that say, hey, I want to be a part of 30 for Freedom, there's a lot of people want to know. I don't know if there's goal-oriented people in here, but I was talking to a friend, very goal-oriented. He said, hey, what's your goal for 2023? And I, our goal for 2023 is that we would, as a movement, engage thousands of people, and we'd raise $500,000 this year to rescue people out of the nightmare of trafficking, to move from comfortable to less comfortable. And what I want to invite you to do, and my, my late mentor, Pastor Roger Lane, he said, you never ask people to do something you're not willing to personally do. So I want to share with you this, just so you know that I'm not just saying, hey, we should all do something and move from comfortable to less comfortable, and then I'm sitting on the couch in my Crocs doing nothing. I, that's not who I am. Actually, I do love doing that, but that's not the, the, where we're going. <laughs> I feel like the Lord has asked me this year to do something that I've never done before. It freaks me out. I'm going to run the 30-mile, 30-for-freedom run um, in two months. And then I'm going to run a 100K for freedom, which is 62 miles, um, just to continue to move from comfortable to less comfortable. And I've challenged, I'm, I'm asking, looking for people all across the state of Minnesota who would join forces with us and say, hey, I'd, I'd do 60 miles. I'd run 60 miles or I'd bike 60 miles or I'd walk 30 and bike 30, whatever it looks like. And there's, I'm looking for 60 people who would do that and, and each of us commit to raise $5,000. On top of that, we have a 5K run, a 10K run, a half marathon, and a 30-mile run that takes place. On May 27th is the closest, um, the next chapter that's taking place in Bloomington, Minnesota by the Mall of America. And I just wanted to extend an invitation to our church because we're a church on the move. Would we be able to, as a church, move from comfortable to less comfortable so they could be free? And I know that for some of you, you might be thinking, hey, I don't run. I actually hate running, so I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not with you. The cool thing is you could walk. We have people that walk. We had an amazing lady named Betty who has the same walker that my mom uses. It's a really nice walker. But she has the same walker, and she walked the 5K last year. And when she came through the finish line, I was like, Betty, 
you just walked the 5K. She's like, I had to do it. I'm like, oh, you're so amazing. Right, we have a five, and I love the stroller brigade. We have a strong stroller presence from Zoe Church, right? You get your stroller. It could be a running stroller. It could be just a regular Graco, whatever you got. And you can just come and you can push your stroller. You can help teach your kids about freedom in Jesus' name, moving from comfortable to less comfortable. When they see mom and dad do that, something changes. I also know that there's an individual from one of our great churches that said, hey, I can't run, but I can give. And their pastor was doing the 30-miler that year. And so this individual, his moving from comfortable to less comfortable, he wrote out a check for $20,000 for his pastor to run 30 miles. I'm not saying you should pressure Pastor Greg into that. That's not the reason I said that. But then, his, then the same pastor decided to do a longer race the, ne the next, um, in a few months, and he wrote another $10,000 check. He moved from comfortable to less comfortable through his giving. So sometimes it's through our miles, sometimes it's through our giving. And if you're like, hey, I'd love to just come and volunteer and serve, we'd love for you guys to partner with us that way on May 27th. And one of the things that we talked about is the big so what. Like if you were sleeping the entire time I was talking, like what's this big so what? When we move from comfortable to less comfortable on behalf of others, we're living like Jesus. When we move from comfortable, you're like trying to write that down in your little card there. You're like, that's the longest big so whatever. When you move from comfortable to less comfortable on behalf of others, you're living like Jesus. That's how he lived. That's how he demonstrated to live life. <laughs> and you might be thinking, Brent, does it, does it actually make a difference? If I come and lace up my shoes and take off my Crocs and put on those Nike Pegasus and I come and do a 5K for freedom, does it actually matter? Here's the crazy thing. If I run 62 miles, but if I don't raise any funds, it only impacts my life. But if I raise the 5,000 that my goal is, it can impact people's lives like this. There's a 15-year-old girl. We have a picture of uh, Las Vegas. There was a team from Minnesota that they heard about human trafficking, and they were so wrecked by it. They're like, we have to go and do a missions trip. We have to go and help rescue kids out of human trafficking. So on this particular trip, a team from Cold Spring, Minnesota, flew to Las Vegas, and they have, if you think of this trailer here, the inside wall of this trailer is lined with missing, uh, missing persons reports of all these kids. They were looking for 30, 30 teens that were missing. And one of them was a 15-year-old girl, and part of the search protocol is that they actually will search through social media and do like a little... You know, hey, is there, have they posted anything? And one of the girls that they were looking for on this trip, this was 2021, February. She was missing, 15 years old. They had seen nothing on her social media. And as they were going through the big search with this team from Minnesota that moved from comfortable to less comfortable to search for her, they found a video of her dancing in a hotel room in Las Vegas, posted by her trafficker. Does it matter if we move from comfortable to less comfortable? It matters for this girl. So what they did is they took the video footage and they ran it through all their systems and they said, okay, of the 800 some odd hotels in Las Vegas, she's in one of six hotels. We can narrow it down based on the bedspread, based on the decor of the room, all these things. So they split the team into six. They went to all these different locations. And what they did is they took the picture of this girl and they would go up to different people working at the hotel, working at these places and say, hey, have you seen this girl? Have you seen this girl? Have you seen this girl? And one of the security guards on a, on a casino floor looked at the picture and he's like, yeah, 30 minutes ago, I kicked her off the floor because she's a minor. 
So for the next three hours, the team moved from comfortable to less comfortable, searching through, combing through video footage from the hotel, from the lobby, from the casino, from the restaurant, all across that, that place until they located the room where this 15-year-old girl was being trafficked. With the help of law enforcement, they rescued her, 15 years old, out of her trafficking situation, and they brought her down to the Las Vegas Strip where these rescue vehicles are. And this 15-year-old kid, I don't, have a, I don't really know how long she was trafficked, but it was quite a while. She looked around at all the people, all these vehicles. She said, are you guys all here looking for me? And one of the volunteers looked at her and said, oh, honey, we're here looking for you and for 29 other kids who are missing. And as a tear began to fall down her cheek, she said, I didn't think, I didn't think anyone was coming for me. If I could have an opportunity to talk to her, I would say, young lady, there's a church full of people in Burnsville, Minnesota that are willing to move from comfortable to less comfortable so that you can be free. There's a church full of people that say, we can't just sit by and hear about these things. We have to do something about it, whether it's running, whether it's, just, whether it's giving, whether it's volunteering, whatever it might look like. I don't know what it looks like for you, but I know for me, it's, it's a combination of things. The final thing I just want to say today is I want to share this uh, story with you from Chicago. This is from last year. And there's a girl, a young lady who had been missing in the black t-shirt. And the team did the search operation. We get to help fund operations like this. And this young lady was rescued. I can't remember if she's 13 or 15. But this is a picture of her mom in the middle. When we move from comfortable to less comfortable on behalf of others, living like Jesus. People are being set free. People are finding freedom. People are finding hope. People are finding redemption. People are finding wholeness to a story of brokenness. And church, you have your card there when you walked in and you got a card. You have your big so what? And here's what I realize and I recognize this fully. God might be calling you to move from comfortable to less comfortable in something that has nothing to do with human trafficking, anti-trafficking stuff. Totally get that. We wanted to have space for the Lord to speak to you today. We want to have space for God to say, hey, I want you to be a part of that. Or, hey, I need to forgive, need to forgive your mom. Or whatever, whatever it looks like for your life. So I'm going to take a moment and pray. The worship team is going to, we're going to go through one song just for a little bit. And just ask God to speak to your heart. God, what are you asking me to do? What does it mean to move from comfortable to less comfortable in my life on behalf of someone else so I can live like you? So Jesus, this morning. We as this church, as your church, as your bride, as Zoe Church, we say, God, have your way in us. Would you come and have your way? Help us to know what it looks like practically, tangibly, God, to move from comfortable to less comfortable so that people can be free, so that people can be healed, so people can be whole. And, Lord, I pray for our church that you would speak specific things to us, God. If it has to do with this message or it has to do with something completely different happening in our life, I pray you'd help us to hear your voice, Holy Spirit. I pray you'd help us to be people who would take action that we would have a sense of urgency about being the church on the move. So God, we submit this to you, and we love you. We give you this time and space to speak to us, Lord, in Jesus' name.
talked about Vision Sunday, we said the word for this year is go. I love moments in the presence of God. I love divine moments in the presence of God. I love how he moves in our body. But he hasn't called us to just sit here. He's called us to go do something. To be a part of his kingdom. To love those who need it. To care for those. To run that story wrecked me. The girl, she just, I didn't know anybody was looking for me. Like, who do you have in your life? Who do you have in your life? They don't think anybody cares about them. It's possible that God has put you there. In fact, I would say God has put you there for that person. How can we do that? God, how can we get outside of our comfortable? Because it's so easy to go through the motions of life and to overlook those around us that are in desperate need. I spent the weekend, I was at a basketball tournament yesterday, hanging out with all these families and all these parents. It's so many people who desperately need the hope of Christ. That's why I'm there. That's why you are in your office. That's why you're at your school. That's why you're on your block. God has called us. God, how do you need to take us from something that's comfortable to uncomfortable for the sake of someone who needs to hear the hope of Christ? And so I challenge you, if you haven't already written something on the bottom of your card, I challenge you before this day's up, would you do that? Say, God, help me. And begin to pray into that. God, help me to step outside of what's easy but simple. That I, this faith thing could be more than just something I talk about, but it becomes a thing that I lead in. Because that's where the joy comes when we take part of what God has done. We don't watch his kingdom. We are a part of his kingdom for his glory. Amen. Amen. I'm going to uh, just want to just piggyback on what Brent said, just from a practical standpoint. You notice on the back side of this card is a little QR code. If you're one of those that said, you know what, I'm going to be a part of what's going on, but there's not a chance I'm ever going to run. <laughs> if that's you and you want to do that, just scan that QR code. You can give. It's always got a group. But we've got, we are challenging the youth to be a part of this this year. Amber, me, and our kids, we are going to do, we're doing the 10K. I'm making my boys. We're training. we got three months to get those boys able to run six miles, okay? But we're going to train and be a part of that, okay? Um, but some of you want to be, I would just encourage you, we can all do this. So here's what you, if you want to be a part of this, you want to run, you want to bike, you want to do any of those kind of things, go to our website under events. 30 for Freedom is, a, is an event right now. So if you go there, you can get yourself registered if you want to be, you got three months to train, okay? You don't got to do this tomorrow, right? But I would encourage some of you, there's something supernatural that happens when we do something that's hard in the natural. Like when we step outside of our comfort zone, God starts to stir something in our heart. I think it's going to be so powerful for us, all right? I'm going to better prayer team forward here this morning. If you're here today, you need somebody just to pray with you, pray over you. I would encourage you, don't leave. But I want to pray a, I want to pray a prayer uh, over your lives right now for this week, that we get outside of the comfortable. So God, we pray right now. We're going to walk out of these doors. The temperature was nice in here, and the sound was nice, and the sang real nice, and Brent spoke real nice. We're going to walk out of this room, though, and there's going to be moments that are uncomfortable. And God, I pray that we would take hold of those for your glory this week. God, would there be purpose in our heart this week? God, we are not just coming. We are called to go. And so this week, would we go for your glory? We pray that in your name.